0: Um, I had a ton of fun doing the research for this topic and I already have a lot of experience with it um, because I played so much Magic the Gathering. The mechanic I'm talking about, of course, is card drafting. Um, In Magic, drafting is a way to distribute a limited amount of cards before the actual game happens. But nowadays, there are also a lot of games in which drafting really is the game without any other game after the drafting portion in magic everyone opens a pack of 15 cards picks one card um, for his or her deck and then passes the rest to the next player this is repeated until there are no cards left and then the same procedure is done with the second and the third pack Um, i think most other forms of card drafting go back to how it is done in magic the gathering at least to some degree and we will talk about those other games as well. Um, I, today I really want to go deep into this topic. You will learn um, what drafting is, why it is the best mechanic of all times and what it really can offer for you um, and your game. But I will also talk about some of the design challenges that come with card drafting and some possible solutions for them. Um, and once we have a clear picture of That we will go through a bunch of different drafting games um, and try to identify how they use the mechanic um, in their game design Um, because a lot of these games added a new and nice little twist to the drafting mechanic and um, maybe they um, are an inspiration for you as well. Okay, then let's start. Um, Maybe we start by defining what card drafting actually is. Um, A card drafting game typically involves picking cards from a shared pool um, or a shared area um, in order to build a deck or a hand of cards um, to gain some form of advantage. In the end, it really is a resource distribution mechanic um, that splits a pool of uh, resources, in this case cards, um, as evenly as possible between a group of players um, by each player taking an item in a turn. That also means um, the selection to choose from gets smaller and smaller with every pick until all the cards are distributed among the players. The most desirable items will typically be chosen first because players always want to pick the best card. But complexity um, or better let's say strategy is added when choosing a card changes the value of all the remaining cards. For me... This is an important aspect of drafting, that there is a lot of strategy behind choosing your cards. I mean, you could also distribute cards by drawing cards from a face-down deck. But this is not something I would consider as drafting. It doesn't really involve any kind of strategy. Drafting really is about evaluating each card you pick with regard to the cards that you already picked and the cards you didn't pick. Uh, meaning the value of each card can be completely different from player to player and heavily influence their decision-making process. In order for this to be true, the cards themselves need to be synergistic in some form and support different strategies. So if one player goes for strategy A, he might evaluate all the cards in the pack for strategy B completely different than a player that goes for strategy B and That is what makes card drafting so interesting for me. Technically um, also the genre of deck building is a form of drafting. If you consider drafting as choosing a card from a pool multiple people are collecting from. But the difference for me is that in most drafting games the information is hidden. And um, this is an important difference. I will talk about that later. But other than that, I think there are a lot of similarities between drafting games and deck building games. At least the ones that share a common pool or marketplace. In general, one can say that drafting is a popular mechanic and it is used in many games. But to be honest, I don't really understand why there are not more games. Um, I think there are still a lot of ways to use card drafting that have not been implemented yet. If you look at it on a high level, drafting can be used in three different forms in a game. Um, Most often drafting is used as a supplemental mechanic before the actual game to distribute the cards for for the deck um, that then is used in the actual game. But there are also games like Sushi Go um, in which drafting is the game. At the end of the drafting portion you only count your victory points and that's it. And Drafting could also be part of the game um, and happen in between rounds, as it is, for example, done in Blood Rage. No worries, we will talk about all of these games um, later in this podcast. uh, But let's start with um, discussing a little bit what makes drafting fun. For me... um, the first point is agency. If you compare drafting to other maybe simpler forms of distribution, um, like drawing cards from a from a deck, um, it is just way more fun. It gives the players much more agency in what they want to do. Players can influence their pool of available cards with the picking and really choose a strategy. Um, and this strategy for me is an entirely new skill. Um, It is something you do not teach in the rules because the rule is just pick a card and pass the rest to the next player. It is something you learn outside the game. It is more like a meta game. It really comes to life through the interaction of the cards because every pick you make influences your upcoming decisions. You might evaluate a certain card completely different during your first pick and your seventh pick. Just because the card works so good with the cards you already have. And when you made your first pick you didn't know you will have that cards. The result is um, a lot of fun by crafting interactions on the fly. You often have to adopt your strategy really on the fly. Because you do not get the cards you were actually looking for. Or you got even better cards and have to change your strategy completely. This is a lot of fun. Especially for the Problem solver kind of people. Um, I will talk more about strategy in drafting in a minute, um, but first I want to mention a few other reasons why I think drafting is by far the best mechanic ever made. When you sit around a table with four to eight people and everyone opens a booster pack or gets some other form of limited hidden card pool, this immediately leads to a nice tension in the room because everyone is excited and hopes to open better card than the others. A few picks later, people start to speculate what the others are picking and try to mess with their plans. On an emotional and social level, there is a lot going on during a draft. Um, and the aspect that makes a draft interesting from a social perspective is the ability of one player's choice to affect what another player can choose. This has proven to be pretty interesting and compelling to players. A lot of fun also comes from the fact that there are hidden information. Everyone guesses what kind of strategy the other players have and what cards they will pick. And once the drafting is done, there is that surprise moment um, when people are revealing what was completely hidden before. It's a little bit like Christmas when everyone chose their presents. Um, From the viewpoint of a game designer, another reason why drafting is a so great mechanic is because a draft is to some degree self-correcting. What I mean by that is that it is easier to balance your card pool. If the card pool is generated randomly, there could be more, let's say, green cards in the pool uh, than black cards due to random distribution. This would typically cause a situation in which more players on the board Are playing green. Uh, That's because people will adopt their strategy during a draft to the availability in the pool. And the same effect is true if the power level of the cards in one color, for example, is much higher than the power level of the cards in another color. People will adopt their strategy. Since everyone on the table gets exactly the same amount of first, second, and third picks, everyone has the same chances. The different power level of the cards is also distributed more equally than in other distribution methods. In Magic, for example, the drafting format is supposed to be way less luck-dependent than the sealed format, which, uh, in which every player gets six closed booster packs um, and has to build a deck from them. Let's compare these two formats for, for, for a second. Um, on one hand, we have a draft in which you get three packs, um Of 15 cards each. So at the end you will have 45 cards to build a deck. In the sealed pool on the other side you get six packs of 15 cards. So you have 90 cards available to build your deck. This is double the cards. So on a first glance you would say the decks you build from a sealed pool should be a a way stronger than the decks you build from a drafting pool. Just because you have access to so much more cards But if you take a closer look, the opposite is actually the case. Um, So for our example, let's say you travel with eight people. So eight people are opening three packs each. This means there will be opened 24 packs on the table. And of course, you will not see every card from every pack because people are picking the cards. But you will see much more cards than in a sealed pool. And for example, every Every pack has a rare, very strong card. And um, if you open a sealed pool, you have six chances of getting a very strong card. And these strong cards need to be in the same color. They need to be synergistic and work together uh, very well. Um, So if you get these four, five or six cards that work well together, you have a very strong sealed pool. But you were lucky. Um, In a draft, you have the potentially the chance to see 24 rare cards. So they will be picked at the first pick quite often, so you won't see all of them. But let's say in the second or third pack, um, the person passing to you opens a very strong card in green, but he is not playing green, or it is another strategy that he's not playing. The chances that he's going to pass this card to you are quite high. So you get access to way more different cards, um, which increases the overall quality of your pool at the end. And it's not only luck dependent as it is in sealed format. Uh, It really depends on your ability to read the table, to identify which colors are underpicked, which strategies are underpicked, and then focus on that strategy. If you are the only player picking... One strategy on a tray on a table, or the only player picking a color on a table, you will definitely get one of the strongest decks. No matter how lucky you are with uh, your first picks or the cards you open in your packs. If you would ask me why I love drafting so much, I would probably answer because of all the strategy that it adds to a game. Um, and I want to give you some examples of um, strategies. Um, and about the strategic complexity um, that is added through the hidden information and the mind games that result from it. So the first one I want to talk about is um, or our opportunity costs. Um, what is not so obvious in the beginning is that a draft adds a form of resource to the game. And this resource is the number of picks everyone has. Um, it is limited. And the cost of picking a card includes the opportunity cost of all the other cards you didn't pick. These kind of decisions can be tough, but it really often is about what you decide not to pick. Opportunity cost is another form of thinking. Um, most people only think about, oh, this card is very helpful for me, I pick that. Um, and, but thinking about the opportunity cost, so what does it mean that you do not pick all the other cards in the pack? It's something that only the more experienced players start to use to incorporate into their strategy. Um, it is one reason why drafting is so deep and complex Um, you do not only have to think about your own hand but also about what you pass to your next player so your thought process should always include all the other cards that are in the pack Um, and let's say there is um, card x in the pack which is a decent amount better than the next card from a power level perspective that means um your neighbor will most likely pick that card if you pass it to them Um, and now you can use this information as a small little data point that you have to remember if you then in a later pick see a card that has a great synergy with the first card um the card which you pass to your neighbor you could pick that second card just to deny your opponent from getting it this is a concept called hate picking Um, And this adds a whole new layer of strategy and decision-making to the game. Let's say, for example, you pick a very strong card for strategy A and pass a very strong card for strategy B. This means one of the neighbors you are passing to has a high chance of going into strategy B. If you decide to pick the card for strategy A, it comes with the opportunity cost, that you probably can no longer play strategy B and hope for a good deck because chances are high that already another player plays that strategy. Um, If you now see in your next pick a very strong card, um, also for strategy B, what do you do? Do you change your strategy, knowing that you might fight with your neighbor about the same cards? Or do you stick with strategy A and keep feeding him the good cards? Or do you just spend your pick to uh, hate pick from him um, and do not add any kind of value to your own deck? You could even try to be more strategic than that. You could use a concept called hook and cut. You could pass a very strong card in a certain strategy to your neighbor um, in one of the first picks to lure him into that strategy. But then you go into that strategy yourself and do not pass any more cards of that kind. This is called hook and cut and um, this works in magic because um, you pass the cards into different directions each round. So in the first pack you uh, pass to your left and in the second pack you pass to, uh, to your right and then again to your left. That means you pass twice to your neighbor left and he only passes once to you. Giving you more impact on his picks then the other way around another strategy is called wheeling a card um, if you have the feeling that a certain strategy or type of card is underpicked you could try to not pick that card um, even if you want to play it in your deck um, and hope that it goes all around the table so you can pick it up later um, this only works if there are enough cards left in the pack um, So you have to count the number of players and there need to be more cards in the pack than the number of players, of course. But if you count the number of good or playable cards and you have the feeling that your um, color or your strategy is underpicked, this is a good way of prioritizing um, the picks that you make. As you can see, there is a lot of strategy in drafting games and what I talked about is just the tip of the iceberg. And all of these different strategies and depth that drafting can add to a game is what makes it so interesting for me and what which adds so much fun to a game. But as usual this comes with a cost. So let's talk a little bit about the design challenges that come with uh, designing a drafting game. So the first one really is drafting can be daunting for new players when they play a game for the first time. Because most of the decisions you make during a draft have a very high impact on the rest of the game. The cards you choose determine the success of the other game parts. And if one player knows the cards better than the others, he or she has a huge advantage in a draft. That means it is not very forgiving for new players and it is not easy to learn to begin with. um, Because you really need to know a lot of meta information You need to understand all the different cards, their influence in the game and especially their interactions between those cards. Um, Then you have to weigh all these options against each other and make a decision. And you have to do this whenever a hand gets passed to you, not only once but all the time. And it can be intimidating if a new player um, plays with a veteran of the game. Um, So drafting really rewards you to know each card and each interaction, um, but it also really punishes you if you don't know them. There are a few possible solutions to that problem and to help new players to get into the game a bit easier. Um, The first one is to make the cards very simple so that the um, advantage of experienced players is not as high as it would be with very complex cards. Another way is to give players some kind of hint. Something like a board that tells them that they only allowed to play two quest cards or that they um, only allowed to um, have three resource cards or one equipment card per hero. So them uh, That can give them at least some direction. Also some form of color code could be very helpful to identify which cards work well together. Um, Or you could even mention on a card another card that goes very well with it. Um, If you have cards that become better in multiples, that is also a very nice way to give players a hint. If your game um, uses drafting for several rounds, you could also add complexity over time. Um, In the first rounds, um, you could only draft very basic cards and later on the pool could uh, contain more of the complex cards. In general, the draft gets easier and less daunting for new players um, the fewer cards are in the set, um, because the sheer number of possibilities is reduced. Um, A good example for this would be a game like Sushi Go Party, um, in which you only have um, 20 or so different, different cards. Another challenge with drafting games is that they are really, really time-consuming. Due to all the tactical decisions and considerations, the time required is quickly escalating in a game like that. It simply takes more time than just dealing a hand of cards. I don't really have a good solution for that problem. Um, I mean, you could add some kind of timer, but that would increase the pressure for newer players even more. Um, Magic uses timers in their drafting tournaments, but this is on a professional level in which everyone is on an equal level and has um, a lot of experience with the cards and the format. And even those professionals sometimes struggle to make a decision under time pressure. On a casual level, typically a simple rule is enough to increase the pressure a little bit on the slowest drafter on the table. The rule is that you are only allowed to look at the one pack that you've got. As soon as you have taken a card from it, you place the remaining cards next to you on the table and wait. Uh, Only when all players have finished picking, you may take the next pack. So everybody has to wait on the slowest player. This increases the social pressure and then typically regulates itself quickly depending on the group. Another challenge is um, the low player count problem. For me, a draft is heavily dependent on um, hidden information. And when very few players are involved, the amount of unknown information decreases. With two players, for example, all information except the first pick is known. Because if you remember the cards in the pack and you can always... um, see or identify which card is missing once you get the pack back. Um, Also the pool size is typically dependent on the player count um, as you open a certain amount of packs per player. So this decreases that well. Um, And that means a draft loses a lot of its depth um, with fewer players just because the card pool is smaller and the information is no longer as hidden as before. In Magic the optimal player count for example is 8 and it doesn't really make sense to draft with less than four people. And this problem is not only true for magic drafting, it's true for almost any drafting game. Um, But there are a lot of very, very interesting ideas um, how to overcome this problem and how to create two-player drafting games. I will give some examples based on real games later. Um, But most solutions require a massive change in the drafting method to work but there is one exception and that exception is um, a game called bunny kingdom um, and it has a really nice way of modifying the drafting uh, method for two players when you play with two players each player gets an additional pack and this pack is placed in front of him on the table face down and every turn when you draft you also draw an extra card from that second pack and add it to the pack you just got passed. By this you add the hidden information because there is always a new card that the other player does not know and so it gets um, more difficult to remember all the cards in the pack Um, and there is always one option um, of which you have no idea what the other player picked. I think this is the easiest and maybe even one of the best hacks that I have seen um, for making a traditional draft work for two players. I will give some other examples later. I would like to give you some more examples of how cards or other items in a game could be distributed because drafting in the end is a distribution mechanic Um, and some of these other forms of distribution could also be considered drafting as well the idea i've talked about the most so far is passing a pack of cards this is what we talked about you take a card from a pack of cards and pass the rest to the next player this is used in many drafting games for example in magic in sushi go and seven wonders Uh, but another option would be to um, take the cards from a display this is how most deck building games work So all the resources are placed on the table, on some form of marketplace, where they can be seen by all the players. And then players can take cards from that display in a certain order. The difference is that the information is no longer hidden. Often you somehow have to pay to take certain cards or to take cards from a certain spot. Um, Or even some form of auctions can be added to the distribution method here. I really like that uh, way of distributing cards um, but it's not what we are focusing on today. Another way of using hidden information is to draw more than one card from a hidden pile of cards and then choose only one of them to keep. The remaining cards could uh, be given to the opponent directly or could go back to the pool or could be removed from the game completely. In that case, you could have one pile of cards that could be used by all the players to draft. And if it's a player's turn, he or she draws, let's say, three cards, chooses one of one of them, and put the other two um, or shuffles the other two in the in the pile of cards. The next option I wanted to talk about is I split you choose. Um, this is another mechanic that I really, really like. Um, a player gets Um, A certain number of cards. Let's say five. um, And has to split them into two piles. Um, So it could be a pile of two and a pile of three. Or it could be a pile of four and a pile of one. Um, And then the other player chooses one pile for himself to keep. And the other player goes to the creator of the piles. And then the process is repeated. And the other player creates um, the split pool. By that you have a really nice decision making process because you have to decide which cards go good together um, and you maybe do you put them in one pile because you hope you get the pile or you put them in de- separate piles because you do not want uh, your opponent to have this strong combo. This is another way of uh, tactical decision making which I really really like. It is used in Magic the Gathering in some, on some cards um, that are used during the real gameplay. One of those cards is called a Fact of Fiction and this is also why this drafting method in Magic, if you use it for the entire draft potion, is called a Fact of Fiction draft. If you do a Fact of Fiction draft, you really have to consider two different tactical aspects. The first one is, what do you want for your deck and what does your opponent need for his deck. Therefore, it's very important to remember all the picks that your opponent made and try to identify early on what he's trying to do um, in order to be able to split the cards that are very relevant for his tactic um, between the two piles. So I have now talked half an hour about all the strategic aspects of drafting and the challenges in the game and what I really love about drafting, but I did not really talk about all of the different games and how they implement the mechanic. And I think there is much more to say about that. And I really want to go deep into the analysis of these games. That's why I decided to do this in the next episode. In that episode, I will go through a bunch of different games and I will analyze their components. So if they are used to draft cards, tiles or tokens, and we'll also talk a little bit about what these components represent. Other criteria that I want to check in these games is um, if the pool is revealed for example or if the information is um, hidden or partly hidden. If you are able to um, know or predict what your opponent has picked. um, I want to analyze the pool size and if the games um, use always the entire pool to draft or if they use only a subset of the entire pool to draft. And if the pool is drafted completely, so do you draft all of the cards that are in the pool or do you only draft some of them and discard the rest? I also want to take a look at how many rounds are drafted and if there are a lot of differences between those games um, and if there maybe are some kind of restrictions of the picks that the players are allowed to make. And I really want to go a little bit deeper into the different options of um, making drafting games two-player compatible. And that's it for today's episode. I hope I was able to share and transfer a little bit of my passion for the drafting mechanic. And maybe you now consider making the next big drafting game. At least I would love to see more of these kind of games. Before you go, I wanted to invite you again to join our NerdLab Mastermind session. The first session was a great starting point. Um, we spoke for one and a half hours um, and it was very great to see how much we all have in common and um, I'm convinced that uh, within the group we can be a great resource for each other. We have scheduled the next meeting for September 17th um, at 9pm, Middle European sun- Summer Time. For this session um, everyone is preparing two things. The first one is an overview of um, his or her current project so the others get a better understanding of it. And the second thing is that everyone committed to set a goal for himself or herself for the rest of the year. So we can use this goal to keep each other accountable in our mastermind group. The current idea is to have these voice sessions um, every other week. And in between, we will use the Discord server to discuss topics asynchronously. We are still open to add a few more members to the mastermind group. So if you want to join now, is probably your best chance. We would love to share our passion with you and welcome you to the group. The link to join our uh, NerdLab mastermind group on uh, the Discord server can be found in the show notes. Until then... Keep drafting and nerd like a boss.